Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10. That's V-I-A-T-O-R-10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. You're about to experience a life-giving message from Bishop Kevin Foreman, the people's bishop and pastor of Harvest Church. We exist to lead people to totally love God, love people, and love life as one church in global locations. Find out more on our website at www.harvestchurch.church or get our app by texting the word HARVEST to the number 877-552-4746. Your faithful giving is how we continue to bring life-giving messages like these to you. So bless what blesses you in our app or online at www.harvestchurch.church forward slash give. Now here's today's life-giving message. Let's make our confession of faith together. It's there on the screen. For God's glory, this is my best year yet. To the word I'm about to hear, I believe, I obey, I manifest, and that settles it. In Jesus' name, amen. So God, we say, have your way tonight. Speak to us in this building and online. Come on, lift your hands. Say, I'm open and I'm ready. I'm open and I'm ready. I'm open and I'm ready. Say, speak, God. Confirm, God. Affirm, God. Direct, God. Correct, God. I'm ready. Do me, do me this favor. Go to three to five people. Fist bump them. And just say, you're going to heal tonight. You're going to heal tonight. Online, tag somebody. If you haven't tagged them online, click share. Click share if you haven't shared yet. Come on, you're going to heal tonight. Why? Your future needs you heal. Why? Your, your next needs you heal. Why? Your seven-figure status needs you heal. Why? Your new business needs you heal. Why? Your family needs you heal. Come on, I need you. If you believe that your future needs you at your best, lift your hands and worship God for five seconds. Go, go, go. Five, four, hey, three, two. Hallelujah. 
Grab a seat. Let's go to work. Let's go to work. So this series that we've been in is called Let's Be Kids Again. And where does this come from? Mark chapter 10, it says, anyone who does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. So I've taught you this. The kingdom belongs to those that act like kids again. Say it with me. The kingdom belongs to those that act like kids again. And in Luke 17, 21, the Bible makes it clear where the kingdom is. The kingdom isn't here or there. It's not a building. Watch me. The kingdom is in you. This is why the enemy's been trying to kill you since you were a child. Because there was something in you. He was afraid that it would come out. But I need you to encourage somebody next to your elbow. I'm saying, but it's too late now. It's too Yeah, he should have got you when he had the chance. He should have got you when you were suicidal. It's too late. He should have got you when you felt like giving up. It's too late now. He should have got you before you found harvest. Why? It's too late now. He should have got you when you felt like giving up. Open up your mouth. Say, it's too late now. It's too late. It's too late now. There's something in you. Luke 17, 21 says the kingdom isn't here or there, but the kingdom of God literally is within you. So the kingdom manifests from in you to change what's around you. But pay attention. Jesus said you're never going to be able to access what's inside to get it outside unless inside you act like a kid again. I'll say it again. You're never going to be able to access what's inside you to get it outside of you until you act like a kid again on the inside. So the kingdom manifests from in you to change what's around you. And I've taught you what the kingdom is. How many components does it have? Three components. Come on, y'all. Number one, it's heaven's attributes in your life. And I've taught you that that's righteousness, peace, and joy. You need to hear me. You are not trying to die to get to heaven. You are living well to bring heaven to the earth. Mm. I'll wait until you act like you heard what I said. I'm not trying to die to get to heaven. Watch me. Too many Christians are infatuated with death so they never experience life because they see Christianity as escapism. What does that mean? That they're trying to hurry up and get through this life so they can get to an afterlife. But hear me. If the purpose of, of salvation was to die and go to heaven, then the moment you got saved, you could die and go to heaven. Which means since you didn't die and go to heaven the moment you get saved, that's not the purpose. The purpose is so that you can manifest the kingdom in the earth. You need to stop complaining about what you were sent to change. I need you to elbow somebody next to you and just tell them, say, don't complain about what you're sent to change. Don't. Yeah, if there's a problem, you were sent to correct the problem. If there's an issue, you were sent to correct the issue. If there's a challenge, you were sent to correct the challenge. The kingdom manifests from in you to change what is around you. So heaven's attributes have to come out of your life. That's number one. Number two, it is God's MO, his modus operandi. It is how God does what he does. Where is that at? It's in you. This is why there's certain things that you do that nobody had to tell you they were wrong. Something in you said, mm, that ain't right. Why? Because God's modus operandi is on the inside of you. What does this mean? God is a creator. Hear me, Wednesday. Which means the same creator we read about in the scripture, that same creator lives on the inside of you. This is why sometimes your back has been against the wall and you were like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And all of a sudden, out of no way, something creative pops up in you. Where did that come from? That's the kingdom manifesting in your life. God, I wish I had kingdom people in here. Why? Because God's modus operandi is at work in me, which means I don't care what you drop me in, baby, I'm about to manifest the kingdom. I don't care what the situation looks like, I'll find a solution. Watch me. He's not just the way maker. Pay attention. The way maker lives on the inside of me. I need every person in this building and online that knows that there's a creator on the inside of you. For five seconds, lift your hands, worship God right there. Go, five there's a creator there's a creator 
And I pray God stir the creator on the inside of you. You're about to create your wealth. You're about to create your business. You're about to create your family. You're about to create your healing. Come on, Wednesday, say, there's a creator in me. All right, number three, number three, it is becoming what God said you are, who God said you are, and possessing what God said you can. So you're becoming and possessing. You're becoming and possessing. You're becoming and possessing. You're becoming and possessing. You are becoming and possessing, which means the more you become, the more you possess. And the more you possess, the more you become. See, the more you possess, it shows you that it requires a greater you to get greater. I'm so excited about the fact that you sit next to somebody that just doesn't want stuff, but they want to be a better Christian. Come on. Where are the people at in the building and no line that can say, I graduated. I'm not chasing cash, cars, or clothes. No, what I'm chasing is a better version of myself. This is why I don't have to hate on you. Why? I'm not in competition with you. I'm in competition with yesterday's version of myself. The kingdom belongs to those that act like kids again. The kingdom belongs to those who act like kids again. And I showed you in David versus Goliath that if we act like kids again, what can we do? We can manifest the kingdom. 1 Samuel 17, 32. This is David. And David has been anointed to be king in 1 Samuel 16. But in 1 Samuel 17, there is this giant. The giant's name is Goliath. He is somewhere between 6.75 and 9.75 feet tall. Somebody say, that's a big dude. And he, for 40 days and 40 nights, he taunts the children of Israel, specifically the Israelite army. Pay attention. These are not regular Hebrews. These are those that enlisted to fight, which means there is such a thing where even when you are a fighter, there are some fights even you are afraid to fight. Mm. I need to make sure that you ain't sitting next to a punk. Okay. I need to make sure that you ain't sitting next to somebody that when they see Goliath, they run. I need you, matter of fact, I need you to speak strength in them. Touch their shoulder and say, you will fight and you will win. I, come on. I need you to make sure you ain't sitting next to somebody that runs from the fight. I need you to make sure you're next to a uh, David that when they see a Goliath, they're like, baby, let's go. You want to start something? For 40 days and for 40 nights, Goliath, literally, he is taunting the Israelite army. And then David shows up. Watch me. David shows up at the end of the fight. Now, this is what I love about it. Uh, and sometimes there's a version of you that is not going to show up until, watch me, until it is needed the most. Because there's about to be a demand placed on you. For every person that feels overwhelmed, look at me, look at me, look at me, that you are not overwhelmed, that's called destiny. Mm. That's called purpose, putting a demand on you. And I need you not to crack up under the pressure. I need you not to break up under the pressure. Come on, open your mouth, Wednesday. Say, there's a demand being placed on me. There David did not show up until the 40th day, which means the kid did not show up until the 40th day. And for some of y'all, there's been some stuff that's been beating you down for the last several weeks, last several days, last several months. Watch me. Tonight is about to be your turnaround night. Why? Because the David in you is about to ride. I guess I'll just preach to my online family then since y'all ain't going to say nothing. There's a David in you that God's putting a demand on. Look at me. And what was the demand? It was not until Goliath's taunt got the most, watch me, absurd. 
40 days and 40 nights. 40 is the biblical number of witness. It is the biblical number of testing. And so he's at the end of that 40 days. Then David shows up. And Goliath was at his worst. Look at me. When, you're, when your situation is at its worst, that's when God is like, come on, David. Come on, David. Come on, David. Come on. I, I need you. You're going to touch your neighbor at least 15 more times tonight. So if you don't like him, you need to go sit somewhere else. Okay? All right? All right. Why? Why? Well, Bishop, why do you have us touch our neighbor so much? Because the Bible says wherever two or three touch agreeing on anything, it shall be done for them. I need you to touch the person next to you and say, tag, you're it. No, I'm going to try over here. I'm going to try over here. Watch me. Watch me. Watch me. It was when Goliath started saying the most stupid stuff. Started saying the craziest stuff. All of a sudden, that's when David shows up. And in the story, you are David, which means sometimes there's a you that does not show up until there's a demand that's being placed on you. I need you to find somebody that looks like they're expecting to take Goliath down and just touch him and say, Tag, you got next. Let's go. You got it. You should have shut your mouth because I wouldn't have done nothing. Until, you shouldn't have came at me like that. I wasn't going to do it. I need you to open up your mouth and say, I'm ready. He's ready. Let's go. At the end of 40 days and 40 nights, David shows up. And David goes down to the king. And David says these words. He says, do not worry about this Philistine. I'll go fight him. Now, pay attention. The army is scared to fight him. Saul, who's the king, is scared to fight him. But David, who's the kid, says, I'll fight him. Sometimes, you got to hear me, sometimes it takes ridiculous thinking in order to get ridiculous results. This is why for much of your life you felt like an underdog. Why? Because God says, I need to tap into the part of you that thinks ridiculous thoughts. I need to tap into the part of you that thinks that anything is possible. I need to tap into the part of you that says, I don't have experience, but I have preparation. See, I've not fought a lion, or I've not fought a giant, but you know what I have fought? A lion and a bear. Who is this uncircle? Who is this mark that's coming to start some stuff for me? I wish you would let depression punk you. I wish you would let anxiety punk you. I wish you would let that coworker punk you. I need you to find the third person and touch him and say, tag, you're it. And when we fight, we win. And when we fight, we win. And when we fight, we win. Come on, y'all. And when we fight, we win. And when we fight, we win. David, who is the kid, he says, don't worry about this mark. I'll go fight him. And look at what Saul says in verse 33. In verse 33, Saul, the adult in the room, but he's the punk in the room. <laughs> you got to be careful taking advice from people who have never taken steps of faith. Hear me, Denver. You have to be careful because when you live around a, bum a bunch of settlers, it can be easy for you to settle. But the reason you're under the sound of my voice is because you cannot be like the environment you are in. You cannot settle. You better not settle for that relationship that y'all ain't. You better not settle. You are not a settler. Lay your hands on yourself and say, I will not settle. I you're the adult in the room, Saul, but you're the settler in the room. You're the adult in the room, Saul, but you're the one. You you letting Goliath punk you. You're the adult in the room, but you are scared of this giant. And here's my question. Okay, you got this one giant, and he's saying, send somebody to fight me. Here's my question. Why did you just send all the army to go take him down at one time? Just, just jump him. 
You understand? I mean, listen, listen, whenever you're in a fight and you're outnumbered, sometimes you just need to mob. Well, watch me. Because Saul wasn't thinking that way. Because Saul, watch me, was so concerned about how he looked to the people. He didn't want to risk a fighting and losing. And for some of you, watch me, here's why you need to be a kid again. Because a kid does not care what it looks like. A kid isn't trying to protect the reputation because a kid is not concerned about their reputation. And for some of y'all, watch me, you're so scared of what people are going to think about it that you won't take the leap of faith. But I pray that tonight, by the time I'm done in the next 15 minutes, that your leap leaps. Hmm. That your leap leaps. Oh, my God. That your leap leaps. Go to a fourth person, please, and tag them and say, Tag, you got it. You got it. Saul says, don't be ridiculous. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You are only a boy. And here's the truth. Y'all want the truth? Say, what's the truth, Bishop? He didn't fight the Philistine. This wasn't a fight. This was a takedown. Y'all didn't hear me. A fight would mean that Goliath got an opportunity to hit back. Mm. This was not a fight because when David made the decision to take the leap, God stepped in and said, I'll take it over from here. Watch me. You told your neighbor, Tag, you got next. But when the David and them rises up, God says, uh, Tag, I got it. I got it. I God's about to show himself strong on somebody's behalf tonight. If you don't think he's going to do it for you, that's fine. But can you praise God because he's about to show up strong for me? I Come on, Wednesday. Come on, Atlanta. Come on, Facebook. Come on, somebody say, God's about to take it over. All right, look at me, look at me, look at me. He says, do not be ridiculous. Look at the screen. He says, do not be ridiculous. You cannot possibly fight this Philistine and win. And you're right, Saul. I can't fight him. But this ain't going to be a fight. This is going to be a massacre. This is not going to be a fight. This is going to be a takedown. I'm going to throw one stone. It's going to take him out. I'm going to release one shout, and it's going to take him out. I'll release one seed, and it's going to take him out. I'll make one temporary move that I won't complain about, and it's going to take him. You'll take one lesser job than you think you should take, but it's going to show God that you can be trusted. I, one opportunity is all I need. Go to a fifth person, please. Tag them and say, you got it, you got it, you got it. Some of y'all didn't move. Get up, move, and tag a fifth person and tell them, you got it, you got it. All right? Online, you need to tag somebody. Look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. You're right, I can't fight him, but I'm not going to fight him. I'm going to throw one stone, and this is going to be a massacre. He's never, look at me, look at me, look at me. What you're scared of is never going to have an opportunity to touch you. Yeah. Prophesy to yourself, say, I'm untouchable. I'm unstoppable. I'm unbreakable. I'm unbeatable. Say, I got an MC Hammer anointing. You can't touch this. Uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> look at me. He says, do not be ridiculous. There's no way you can fight this Philistine impossible when you're only a boy. You're only a kid. But those who act like kids, look at the screen, become legendary. 
It's the people who you tell can't do it. Tell Oprah she couldn't do it. Tell her because she had a kid that she lost and because she was abused and because she, she, was, she was raped and molested. Tell her she can't do it, and she did. Mm -hmm. You'll get it in a moment. Tell Tyler Perry, who was homeless, and nobody showed up to his plays early on, and he was financing stuff out of his own pocket, yet he was faithful to his church and his pastor. Oh, yeah. Tyler made it because Tyler knew how to serve. Tyler used to sing in his pastor's choir. You ready? I said, you ready? Watch me, watch me, watch me. Those who act like kids again become legendary. David became a legend because he acted like a kid again. And I gave you these eight principles. Number one, kids are fearless until they're taught to fear. Say, I will not fear. Number two, kids are ridiculous and they're taught to be too reasonable. If you're too reasonable, it's possible you are boxing God out. And, and I need you to listen to me because many of you, watch me, when you're like me, see, people like me, people will say of us, that's unreasonable. That's why you live regular. I refuse to live regular. That's because just, just you want to live that way. You live that way. But I refuse to be reasonable because I found that there's a God that can do something ridiculously amazing in my life. I need every person in this building and online that says, I refuse to live reasonably because I don't want a reasonable life. I don't want reasonable money. I don't want reasonable family. Baby, I want something that when people look at my life, they say, that's ridiculous. All the ridiculous people put a place in the atmosphere, right? I want a ridiculous prayer life. I want a ridiculous church. I want ridiculous finances. I want ridiculous power. Somebody say, give me ridiculous. Number three, number three, number three. Kids are adventurous until they're taught to play it too safe. When I was a little kid, I had a friend. His name was Brian. His last name started with an M. I won't say his whole name because he could be watching. He could be a whole member. I don't know. Um, and, and Brian, um, he was different. Brian liked to go out. And, and play in the canal, catch crawdads, catch gardener snakes, catch mice. Brian ate peanut butter tortillas for lunch. Brian's mama called him in the house and said, it's lunchtime. Brian ate supper at 530. <laughs> I'm trying to tell you something, right? He was adventurous. And Brian, Brian got me involved in the, in the Boy Scouts. And so Brian, Brian was like, oh, you're going to love the Boy Scouts. And so, you know, they got me the book. And then once I learned that there was levels to it, I was like, oh, no, I'm going to dominate these levels. You can be a Boy Scout, but I'm going for the eagle. Listen. <laughs> what is it, Scouts? What is it? I don't even remember now, but Scouts on it. Mm -hmm. I was like, take me to the top. I want all my badges filled on my So, So there was a camping trip. And I didn't, I didn't you know, I... Um, born in Denver, raised in Memphis, and so, you know, um, we don't camp in Memphis. We go fishing in Memphis, and that's twice a year. We didn't camp. So I go on a camping trip. I got on cream shorts. It's real judgmental in here. I feel a Denver spirit judging me. But Brian was adventurous, and so, you know, they running through the woods and stuff and all that, and so I'm like, okay, so now where, when it's time to use the gentleman's room, I like, I was like, so where do we do that? I'm like, where are the facilities for this? Brian was like, right there. I said, where? I said, wait a minute. I said, so wait a minute. I said, so anybody, so we running and playing and all this kind of stuff? 
and I'm running and playing on people's stuff? So this is my first and my last camping trip. Look at me, look at me. He was adventurous. He would do crazy stuff. And I would look at him like, this is crazy. This is crazy. But then on my end, I was doing crazy stuff in business. I was starting businesses and doing all this kind of stuff. Watch me, watch me. You need to be around adventurous people. I pray you get some people around you that when you're feeling discouraged, they take you down to the bank and say, I want to show you something. And when you're feeling discouraged, they'll take you out and say, let's go look at houses. You'll be like, I ain't even got nothing for no house. Baby, I need us to be on an adventure. Why? I need us to get our expectation up. Come on, open your mouth and say, Lord, put me around some adventurous people. I watch me, watch me. Look at me. Number four, kids are inquisitive until they're taught to be too quiet. Kids will ask you a million questions. My little niece, who has made her way in my last two messages. So the other day she calls me, she asked me for a Pomeranian. And, and, and I said, sweetheart, what is a Pomeranian? And, and she said, and you know, I was messing with her. I said, I ain't giving you no Pomeranian. She don't need all that. And she said, uh, she says, Uncle, can you give me a Pomeranian? I said, no, sweetheart, what is that? She said, oh, it's a little dog. I said, sweetheart, I don't buy dogs and I don't buy liquor. I said, so, <laughs> I said, so. I said, so this is not, I'm, uh-uh, I'm not going to do that. So, so she's like, well, you don't have to keep it. It's going to be at my house. I'll take care of it. I said, no, sweetheart, I'll get you anything else. Pay attention, pay attention, pay attention. 30 minutes before, or about an hour before church, I got a text from my niece with web links and screenshots. I said, who taught you my ways? She sent me three different options. I said, somebody didn't taught you how to do business. And she circled a link. I FaceTimed her. I said, sweetheart, what is this you didn't send me? Watch me. You said. Oh, my God. And some of y'all, God needs you to be like a kid again. You said you'd make me the head and not the tail. You said you'd make me above only and never beneath. You said. Come on. I need you to open up your mouth and say, God, you said it. I believe it. And that settles it. She said, Uncle, you said that you get me anything else but a dog. So I presented what I'd like, and I gave you the websites. Look at me. Look at me. You ready? Here's your shout. She didn't let a no to that stop her from asking for that. And some of y'all, I pray you get your inquisitive nature back. God, maybe you said no to that, but can I have that? Maybe you said not right now on that, but can I do that? Pray this prayer. Say, Lord, restore the inquisitive me. Come on. Restore the inquisitive me. Number five. Kids are taught to fight for others uh, uh, until taught to be selfish. A kid will take on another kid's fight, even though it's not their fight, because that's their friend. It's amazing to me. Look at me, Christians. Look at me, Christians. It's amazing how quickly we become, you ready? How we become cannibals. Because a Christian will tear down another Christian, and they don't even move like that in the world. And I just want you to hear me, Harvest. We will not be a people who tear one another down. We will not be a cannibalistic church. Y'all better hear me and hear me clearly. 
you about to look at that neighbor, look at him and say, I'm here to build you up, not tear you down. Online, you better hear me. Atlanta, you better hear me. I ain't into them church games. I'm not into that church mess. I'm not into that church drama where you got a bunch of cannibals trying to tear one another down. We will be a place where it's safe. We will be a place to build one another up. We will be a place from the guttermost to the uttermost. Come on, open up your mouth. Say, we are harvest. We will not, hear me clearly. We will not be that people. Look at me, look at me, look at me. Look at the next one, six. Kids are creative until taught to be like everyone else. Um, a kid will take anything and get creative with it. A kid will take these crates and say, I got a choo-choo train. You will look at it and say, you ain't got nothing but some, but some crates. But to a kid, I took what I had, I made what I wanted. <laughs> Could it be that God hasn't given what you wanted because what you wanted was locked up in what he gave you, which was, which was not what you wanted? Let me back that thing up. Could it be that you don't have what you wanted because what he gave you, you were supposed to turn it into what you wanted, but because it wasn't what you wanted, you didn't do anything with it? I'm going to say it a third time another way because maybe you'll catch it this way. Could it be that what you wanted was locked up in what you hated? Could it be that your breakthrough was wrapped up in your breakdown? Could it, could it be that your next was wrapped up in your ex? Come on, say, Lord, restore the creative me. I, I need you to be able to go home and take what you got and work him. I need you to be able, you may say, Bishop, I don't have the amount of money I want, but you better take what you have and learn how to sow your way out. My first book, I wrote it after going through a financial valley. And I said, God, if you teach me how to get out of this, I'll teach anybody how to get out of it. And I literally gave my way up. That's why I believe so much in giving now. I am living proof that you can take what you have and turn it into what you want. Look at the next one. Look at the next one. Look at the screen. Look at the next one. Look at the next one. Kids ask for what they want until they're taught to ask like there's a limited supply. David literally asked uh, the Lord, and, and notice he asked, he did not ask. He asked for what he wanted. How did he do that? He literally says to Goliath, um, listen, I'm going to take you down, and I'm going to do it today. And when I take you down, hear me clearly, and when I take you down, um, I'm going to cut your head off, and I'm going to feed your body to the carcasses, and then I'm going to feed your men's bodies um, to the carcasses also, or, you know, to the, to the animals also. And you're going to die today. Amen. Look at me. Um, David, watch me, when he spoke to his situation, the Bible literally makes it clear he was praying about his situation. Look at me. Every word you speak is a prayer. I'll say it again. Every word you speak is a prayer. Bishop, what do you mean? In 1 Kings, the Bible says that Elijah, uh, Elijah spoke and said, at my word, it will not rain. In James, the Bible says that Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed that it would not rain. Stop. When you read what he did in 1 Kings, he never said, look at me, he never said anything to God. He spoke to his situation, which means everything that comes out of your mouth is a prayer. Question, question, could it be that you literally prayed your own damnation? He said, well, I, didn't, I, I wasn't praying, I was just talking. To God, when you talk, you are praying. Therefore, Father, we bind up every negative word we've spoken about ourselves. We bind up and cancel the power of every word we've spoken negative about our businesses, about anything that we're connected to. We bind up the negative words and we replace them with words of life. And we bind up and cancel every negative word right now. Come on, somebody say, I bind up 
and I cancel. Eighth principle, eighth principle, is kids believe that anything is possible. Why? Because they have not been faded by failures. David had a string of victory with lions and bears. So he believed it was possible. He literally tells Saul, I killed the lion, I killed the bear. Who is he? What is this? Because I believe anything is possible. Look at me. But most of you, listen to me carefully, you believe in God. You don't believe God. It's quiet. You ready? You're going to talk to that neighbor again. I told you you're going to talk to him about 14 times tonight. All right, come on. You ready? Just elbow him and say, he's talking to you. For most, hear me clearly, we believe in him. I love the Lord. But you're no different than a music artist at the music awards who just got an award for a song about dropping and popping and picking it up and other stuff. And then when they get the award, they're like, I want to thank God who was truly the head of my life. You know what I'm saying? He said, but no, I come to church. Demons do too. I worship. Witches do too. Watch me. Watch me. Watch me. Say, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Come on, Wednesday, one more time. We're almost there. Say, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Help me believe anything is possible. A kid will believe that anything is possible. A kid will talk about they want to be an astronaut. They can't drive. A kid will talk about they want a big house and they can't keep a room clean. A kid will walk. Watch me. How many of y'all used to play That's My Car in the neighborhood? You used to be used to be in one of these houses, like what's over here. You'd be on the front front porch, like one of these houses over here, and cars would drive by. You'd be like, "That's my car." And look at me. I don't know about you, but I got really serious about it. So when somebody would try to claim my car, I was like, "No." How many of y'all you were like me? You got really you took it serious. Like, no, that's my car. That's not yours. You need to find you your own. Okay. That's mine. Look at me. Look at me. What happened to the you that thought anything was possible? I'll tell you what happened to it. Failure happened. And then one failure, then another failure, then another failure, then another failure. And then now you're like, child, you sound like an 80-year-old church mother. Don't you call nobody else child. You sound like you got on white orthopedic shoes with the, with the uh, gold dot at the top corner with white stockings. Don't do that. You know, them shoes with the thing, you know, they got the rolls, you know. No, not the Velcros. No, that, no, not the Velcros. That was for the, that was for the other mothers. Mm -mm. No, the other ones. No, these were laces. These were lace up, but they, they had the little gold dot on the side. And you wore them with the white stockings, and they sat right over here. <laughs> look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. I pray that you release, look at me, your failures. First of all, how many of us can be honest that we've had some? If you ain't waving your hand, you just fail because <laughs> you lied. So put your hand up. Watch me. Father, I pray tonight that wherever we've become faded because of failures, that right now 
we release it. Come on, open your mouth and say, I release every place I've failed. I release every place I've fallen. I choose to believe again. Come on, y'all. Say, I'll try again. Come on, y'all. Say, I'll love again. Say, I'll build again. Say, I'll do it again. And the second time, it'll be bigger. It'll be better. Release a praise right there. Come on. I release my failures. Come on, Facebook. Come on, YouTube. I release my failures. And I get up again. And I get up again. Some of you literally need to stand up and let the enemy know I'm getting back up. I'm getting back up. Come on, somebody shout that. I'm getting back up. I'm getting back up. I'm getting back up. Getting back up. Getting back up. I'm getting back up. I'm getting back up. I'm getting back up. Look at somebody next to you and say, get back up now. Now look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. David does all those things. You ready? Here's the twist. We were on 25. We're about to get up at Colorado. It's a little traffic. You ready? It's always going to be some traffic on Colorado. You ready? David does all those things and sees that anything is possible. Say, anything is possible. Look at 1 Samuel 17 and 50. David triumphed. Say your name. Triumphed. Come on, Wednesday. Come on, say your name. Triumphed. I want you to get used to seeing your name next to a good news story. I need you to get used to seeing your name in the top performers in your company. I need you to get used to, why? Because I got back up. I need you to get used to seeing your name in the top business people in the city, in the top business people in the community. Say your name. Say triumphed. <laughs> Look at me. With only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Which means what he thought he needed, he did not need. Look at me. Kids never need what you think they need because they'll get creative with what they have. Kids never need what you think they need because they get creative with what they have. You tell a child, no, I ain't buying you no choo-choo trains. That's cool. I'll take these crates. And I'll make myself a choo-choo train. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. But in 1 Samuel 16, he's anointed king. 1 Samuel 17, he defeats Goliath. 1 Samuel 18, God puts him in time out. Do it with me. Because this is where some areas of your life feel. And this is the trip, because you're like, Bishop, I got up, but there ain't nothing happening in the game. Bishop, I got up, but ain't nothing happening in the game. Bishop, I got up. Okay, I'm over my failure. Could it be that there's certain areas of your life where God has got you in? Time out. Right when you were ready to make the 
play of the game. Come on. I want to talk to some of y'all. But right when you thought you were about to make the Hail Mary pass that was going to win the game, when you thought about it, all of a sudden God stepped in from the sideline. Wait, wait, wait. Where are the real people in the building and online? Well, there's some stuff that's been in time out. And you're like, God, I told you I'm ready, but nothing is happening. He's in time out from 1 Samuel 18 for 16 chapters until 2 Samuel chapter 2. And each one of those chapters in this particular instance in scripture is roughly one year each. Look at me. For approximately 16 years. He's anointed 16 years ago. And right after this big anointing and God says, I'm going to use you. He says, now, let me put you in timeout. I want to thank God for the days you were overlooked. I want to thank God for the days nobody paid you attention. I want to thank God for the days you had to take nothing and turn it into something. I want to thank God for the days you took a bad hand and played it well. I want to thank God for the days you God put you in timeout. Timeout was not punishment. It was preparation. He put David in time out. Could you imagine? Come here, come here. All right. Boom, I'm going to knock you down. Bam. Like, okay, it's okay, it's okay. I know it's a new space. It's okay, okay. It's okay, it's okay. Now I know you don't know where to fall. I know. I know the other stage was different. I know. Okay, okay. So I'm going to knock you down. Okay, okay. I'm going to knock you down. Okay, so you're knocked down. Okay, there you go. Okay. Took him a minute. All right, watch me. Look at me, look at me, look at me. David's feeling himself. You feeling yourself. See, the most dangerous thing that can happen is you win and you think you why you won. <laughs> David, let's be clear. Your little rock ain't took him down. Let's be clear. God stepped in and made it happen for you. Let's be clear. Your little degree did not get this done. I'm glad you got it, but baby, don't get it twisted. It was 30 more qualified people than you, but... Mm, don't get it twisted. Yeah, you look good, but it's a whole lot of honeys that look better. I wish I had somebody that knew the truth. Somebody say, God did this. I so David's feeling himself, and the people start singing a song. David's killed his thousands. Uh, David, uh, uh, Saul has killed his thousands. David's killed his tens of thousands. So, you know, let's just be honest. David's a young man. David's like, you know, sucking his teeth and stuff. David's feeling himself. And for some of you, watch me, the more you feel yourself, the more you, the more you believe your height, the longer your time out. Because even though it's not punishment, it's preparation. But David, I need you never to be addicted to the applause of the people because you're going to have to be used to the fact that the same people that applaud you, watch me, the next day they're going to say crucify you. So I need you not to be addicted to them, but be addicted to my presence. Not to be addicted to them, but be addicted to my word. Because they will walk away from you and forsake you. But I am the God that will never leave you and never forsake you. Say, he's in time out. But David got the kingdom. Thanks, Goliath. He got the kingdom because of how he handled time out. And in 2 Samuel 2, 4, they give him uh, Judah. Judah's the, Judah's the southern part of the kingdom. In 2 Samuel 5, 3, they anoint him king of all of Israel. In verse 4, David was 30 years old when he began to reign. Watch me. His life didn't even start until his 30s. 
So for everybody in your 40s, baby, that's the new teenagers. Everybody in your 50s, that's the new 20s. Everybody in your 60s, that's the new... Your, look at me. Your life hasn't even started yet. I, oh, but what if I told you what's ahead of you is going to be way better than what's been? You about to tag a sixth person and tell them, say, tag, you got it, you got it. Uh-uh, I don't like the way they responded. Once you touch them, put a praise behind it. Tag them and say, tag, you got it. Tag, you got it. Tag, you got it. Let's go. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. Let's go. Look at me. At 30, he's king of Judah. He's over people that are older than him. And for many of you, you're young and God has put a high demand on you young. This is because what you will lead will always be older than you, more experienced than you. Look at me. And you need to be comfortable being a boss. You ready? Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. At 37, he gets the whole kingdom. At 37, he gets the whole kingdom, which means God gives you promises in pieces. God gives you promises in pieces. He ain't giving you the whole train. He's going to give you the first part and say, now, what you going to do with that? And if you complain that that's not that, you ain't never going to get that. I'm so glad you stopped your complaining. Uh-uh, let's have a moment. Let's have a testimony moment. How many of us can be honest that for a while we found ourselves complaining? But here lately we found ourselves saying this is the day that the Lord has made and I shall rejoice and be made glad in it. He makes all things work together for my good. Come on, somebody say, I will not complain. Look at me. We see David's triumph. Could you imagine how he feels at 37? Could you imagine how he feels looking at his brothers that said he wasn't going to do it? And his brothers have to come bow the knee and kiss the ring. There's some people God is about to come, watch me, they're going to have to bow the knee and kiss the ring. What do you mean? You're going to control the door that opens for them. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I need you to make sure you sit next to a door opener. And I could do you like how you did me. But you're going to be like Joseph. What you meant for evil? God, if you think some things are about to turn around in your life, pop up one time, just turn around. If ain't nothing turning, sit there and do nothing. But for the rest of us, pop up one time and just. And it's getting ready to happen. And it's getting ready to happen. And it's getting ready to happen. I'll be the door opener. I'll be the way maker. I'll be the one to put you on. Look at me, look at me. Look, 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 Here it is. Imagine how he felt. Look at me. This is the feeling you're about to have. I've been practicing my praise at home. I've been practicing my praise in my car. Because I want the Lord to know not only am I ready, but I want him to know exactly how I'm going to respond. Because in a couple of months, he's about to give me the whole. That's my confession. You ain't got to confess it. I'll confess it. 
He's about to give me the whole thing. Come on, Wednesday. Can I get you to practice your praise like you're about to get the whole promise? On three, release your praise. One, two, three, go. Come on, Facebook. Come on, YouTube. I'm about to get the whole thing. 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 This bump somebody said, you're about to get the whole thing. You're about to get the whole thing. Wait a minute. Wait. 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 What if I told you that you were close to your 37? What if I told you that you were knocking at the door of your 37? What if I told you God is about to take you out of timeout? What if I told you God is about to take you out of timeout? We got to move on, but I need you to take this opportunity. I'm going to give you one more opportunity to show God your praise in advance. On three, go. One, two, three, go. Say, I'm getting the whole thing. The whole thing. I'm ready. Time out is over. Time out is over. But wait. But wait. But wait. But wait. We celebrate David's triumph. But look at, look at the person next to you say, but triumph comes with trauma. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Say triumph comes with trauma. Look at me. The greater your trauma, the greater your triumph. What is trauma, Bishop? It's a deeply distressing or disturbing event. Most of you are past the traumatic event. Look at me. You're in the second part of trauma. You're in the shock. And you still act like you're in the traumatic event. Look at me. Whoever had where you were going through a rough time in your life and, and you had to squeeze, squeeze toothpaste out. Because you was going through a rough time. I mean, put your hands down. How many of you still squeezing? Look at me. That's the aftershock. You walking around here with ability and you, you sitting here putting, putting water in your shampoo to make it last. And he said, no, I'm just being, I'm just, mm -mm, mm -mm. you in aftershock. It's quiet. 
Most are past the traumatic event. For most, it's the shock. And what can shock lead to? We're almost to where we're going tonight. It leads to neurosis. What is neurosis? It is an excessive and irrational anxiety or obsession. Bishop, where did this start for David? David tells you about his trauma. Say triumph only comes through the transportation of trauma. There's nobody in that Bible that triumphed that didn't have trauma. And here's the truth. Some of them healed, some of them didn't. Some of them healed, some of them didn't. Matter of fact, look at this. Look at the screen. 1 Samuel 17, 34. David tells you some of his trauma. Can I show you an example? Because remember, I told you at the beginning of this message that this is going to be a night of healing for you. Look at me. The healing isn't the triumph. Because triumph does not heal trauma. Winning does not remove wounds. This is why you got a lot of wounded winners. This is why you got a lot of people who are on top, but they still act like children. Not childlike, but childish. David tells you his trauma. Let me show it to you. You're going to shout again, but let me just take you through this traffic on Colorado. First Samuel 17, 34. Look at his trauma. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb... That's me. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb, look at me. He did not say when a lion or a bear came. He says when a lion or a bear comes, which means I don't know what it is to not be in a posture of defending myself. I don't know what it is to not be in a posture of not having to fight for myself. And this is why some of y'all are so difficult to deal with is because your whole life you've been in a Oh, I'm coming for you tonight. I shouted you first. He says, when a lion or a bear comes, which means all I know is defense. All I know is somebody's trying to get me. So I come to church with the same attitude. I deal with people with the same attitude. I meet people with the same attitude. Because when a lion or a bear comes, I'm not even, look at me, I'm not even used to dealing with obstacles like me. I'm used to dealing with animals. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb, verse 35, look at this part. I go after it. Why? You have a neurosis, David. You have an excessive and an irrational anxiety and obsession because you chase it. It's not even chasing you. You looking for a fight. It's quiet. You looking for a problem. You looking for somebody to look at you the wrong way. Is there a problem? You ready? David says, I go after it. Look at me. The problem is gone, but I don't know how to let it go. I'm going to throw this mic, and I can see y'all now. I couldn't see y'all over at Jew. I can see y'all now. Them lights was blinded before. I can see you now. You ready? Look at me. The person that's the problem walked out. You chasing them. 
I wish you would chase somebody that walked out on you. I wish you would ask them why they walked out. I don't care. If you can walk, baby, walk. South side walk it out. North side walk it out. East side walk it out. West side walk it out. Just walk it out and stay out. Look at me. He says, I go after it. Which means I chase. Look at me. What causes me problems? It's quiet in this building. You out here chasing lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. And if the animal turns on me, David, you ran after him. Some of you all, you ready? You start problems and get mad when they bite back. You big to put it out there, baby girl, but ooh, when it come back at you. You all with that rat-tat-tat-tat until you get rat-tat-tat-tatted on. Say amen to that. You can really do this now, huh? <laughs> Look. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and I club it. Look at me, to death which means I kill things. Uh -uh, look at me, look at me. I kill things. You're not even understanding it. David says, I don't know how to not kill it. His trauma is, I don't know how to keep it good. You're going to hear me in a minute. I don't know how to keep a good job. I find a way to lose it. I don't know how to keep a relationship good. I find a way to kill it. You find a way to kill it. I don't know how to keep a good thing good because all I know how to do is take my club. And you got a line of things you kill. Opportunities you kill because of your arrogance. And you think people owe you something. People with power don't like people with arrogance. Ready? He says, I go after it and I kill it. David is saying this as a triumph. But he's missing the fact that this is your trauma. Look at verse 37. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear. Look at me. You're telling a lie. He didn't rescue you. You ran to the lion and the bear, and it turned on you. This is what some people do. This is what some Christians do. You create your problem, and then say, now, God, rescue me from what I ran to. Until tonight. Come on, y'all. Come on, healing's about to hit the building, and no lie. Come on, I need you to open up your mouth. Say, until tonight. Say it again, until tonight. So David, you got this rat tat 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 You want to fight everybody. You see a lion or a bear, you go chase it. I'm David. You don't know about me? I'm David. 
come from Grape Street. <laughs> you know, I'm from I'm 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 from I'm from Bankhead. That's gentrified now. I don't even know what you're talking about. I was in Bankhead last time I was in Atlanta. I said, this is Bankhead? I said, this is nice. <laughs> On this street right here, this is nice. Don't turn that corner, but this here. Look at me. So David, you have trauma. Watch how it affects him later. I'm setting you up. Say healing starts tonight. Because he's telling this story Celebrating it. And let's be honest, there's something to be celebrated about a fact that you could take a lion and a bear and you could kill it. But there's something crazy about the fact that you chased it. There's something to celebrate about the fact that you know how to make it happen. There's something crazy about the fact that you keep getting yourself into these impossible situations. So look at 1 Samuel chapter 30. We're done Wednesday. You getting this? David and his men arrived home. And his home is burned to the ground. David and his men were out doing what? Fighting. Because what is David's entire mentality? Fight. And that's, let's be honest, that's a good minute. Listen, we got too many punks in the world. Tell the person next to you, say, you're a whole fighter. Say, and that's a good thing. We got too many people that won't fight for anything. I'm glad that you'll fight for your God. I'm glad that you'll fight for yourself. I'm glad that you'll fight for your future. I just need to make sure I got some fighters in the room tonight. All the fighters on three just release a war cry. One, two, three, go. Baby, I'll fight. Baby, I'll fight. Look at me. So David and his men arrive home. They just finished fighting, and his house is burned to the ground. The entire camp is burned to the ground. I want you to pay close attention. In verse 2, they carry off their women and their children. Verse 8, look at me. Now, David, we just saw how you think. You go chasing after lions and bears. You start clubbing them to death. Look at verse 8. Should I pursue? What? You're not understanding it. You're not understanding it. You, 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 you're missing it. Should I pursue and chase after this band of raiders and will I catch them? And the Lord told him, yes, go after them. Stop! 13 chapters earlier, you were just talking about if a lion or a bear come up, I'm going to run after Mufasa. Look at me. But because you have been so traumatized, when you need to fight, you scared to fight. I'm going to preach now. When you need to rise up, you scared to rise up. Because your trauma has got you into a place where you start picking the wrong fights. Ooh, but I need you to touch somebody on the shoulder and just tell a seven person, say, tag, you're it. Look at me. He says, should I fight? David, they have your kids. What the world? What do you mean? 
should you fight? They have your wives. What do you mean, should you fight? Because your trauma has got you scared. And now you're so traumatized that you go from fighting everything till you fight for nothing. You go from I wish a ninja would to ninja going and do it. Look at me. And you won't fight for what matters. I've seen people not fight to keep the kingdom first. And I'm thinking to myself, like, what bottle of Drano did you drink before you said that? Because this is what you fight for. Because keeping the kingdom first is what got you what you fighting for now. How you gonna now put the kingdom last? Y'all not gonna say nothing to me. He says, he says, should I fight? What father sees his children gone and says, Lord, should I pursue this band of raiders? Will I catch them? Look at me, David, you're so traumatized. You ready for this? Oh, I'm setting you up for Sunday. You ready for this? You're so traumatized, you're not relational. You're a transactional man now. Because pay attention to what he didn't even ask God about. He only wanted to know if he was going to win. He didn't care nothing about them. Trauma makes you transactional. If you don't get some out the deal. We have a lot of people who are transactional. It's transactional. They with it when it's good for them. And the moment it's not good for them, the transaction stops. Because it's on their terms, because it's transactional. You have a lot of Christians like that. You're transactional with God. The moment he don't do what you want, yeah, I'm not, I'm not. I'm good. Transactional people with their pastor. <laughs> huh? I didn't hear nobody. Is the eye. You saw how I got that. I dipped the eye a little bit to give it a dramatic effect. Transactional people who the moment they don't think you can do anything else for them, should I pursue? Well, David, this is your wife. This is your future and your trauma. It's got you so jacked up that you ready to quit. In fact, the fact that you had to pray is proof that you did quit. Because you didn't pray about them lions. You didn't pray about those bears. But this trauma has get, am I talking to anybody? I'm going to shout you again in a second. I need to take you back up. Because this trauma, David, has got you all messed up. 
this trauma has got to do it. All you care about is winning. This you ain't even asked the Lord about where they at. Are they safe? Are they alive? Because David, the truth is, your trauma taught you not to trust anybody. Come close. So you love nobody but yourself. So your decisions are selfish. You care less about how it affects anybody else. I'm preaching and you ain't got to say nothing. You don't care how it affects anybody. You don't consider anybody else in your decision making. I got all this space now. You don't consider anybody else. That's a good shot too. And your and your and your decision making. You don't care who the weight falls on. You don't care. You didn't even ask God if they were okay. Because in your mind, I'll get another wife. I could have some more kids. It's quiet. And some of you are like, well, Bishop, listen. somewhere else. I'll just do something else. And God has to literally say to him, you ask me two questions. I'll give you three answers. Because David, look at me, look at me, look at me. Even though you've had some trauma, you still a man after my own heart. Look at me. Here's, look at me. Here's the good news. Here's the good news. You're not stuck in your trauma. I just want you to see what it really is so that you can know what you need to do to fix it. I need you in this building and online to lift your hands and say, I will not be stuck in my trauma. I... You are not that little girl anymore. You're not that little boy anymore. You're not that abused person anymore. You're not that victim anymore. You don't have to stay in a defensive posture all your life. God's going to put people around you. You can relax and be yourself around. God's going to put you in. Come on, lift your hands, please, and say, I won't live in trauma. Everybody stand. Everybody stand. Everybody stand. Everybody stand in the building and at home. In the building and at home. David asked the Lord two questions. Should I chase after this band of ragers or will I catch them? He doesn't even ask about them. How do you know you're traumatized? When you hate who loves you and you love who hates you. Let me. The Lord responds and says, um, yes, go after them. You will surely recover everything that was taken from you. Look at me. He says, David, you didn't ask me if you'd recover. I'm telling you, you're going to recover. Say, and I shall recover all. 
on Sunday, I'm going to walk you through all of his trauma. Because all of his triumphs had a whole lot of trauma. And in 1 Samuel 30, he wasn't healed from it. He's king. Or he's about to be elevated to be king. He's leading this army. And he's not healed. I need everybody in this building and online to hear me. God doesn't just want to give you your next. He wants to make sure you're healed for your next. Lift your hands. Say, Lord, heal my trauma. Heal the aftershock of the traumatic event. Don't let me think that way. Don't let me stay that way. Another day of my life. I don't just want to triumph and still be in trauma. I want to triumph and heal from my trauma. Now lift your hands and worship God like he's going to start the healing right now. Come on, let me hear you lift up a worship. Come on, lift up a worship in this building. Hallelujah. For every mountain, everybody say. voices for every mountain come on lift it up you say come on Wednesday you say you've seen come on and say hallelujah Now just release your worship right there. Release your worship. You won't stay stuck in your trauma. You won't stay stuck in the shock after your trauma. You will triumph. You will triumph. You will triumph. Hey. Lay your hands on yourself. Say, Lord, tonight, start in me the healing from the trauma on my way to my triumph. Not just the event, but the aftershock. 
I'm not in that trauma anymore. I don't have to respond traumatized anymore. I'm a survivor. This is what survival looks like. This is what a winner looks like. I know I've had you shout a lot, but can I get you to grab another winner by the hand? And can I get y'all to just release a worship? Watch me, not for you, but for them. Can I get you to release a praise? Not for you, but for them. We're about to go home online. Can I get you to do the same thing? You're holding a miracle. You're holding a survivor. You're holding somebody that should have died. Somebody that should have lost it all. But God still, 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 still believes in them. Hallelujah. 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 In this building and online, if we're going home, if you need to become a Christian, we commit yourself to the Lord. Wink at somebody, say, you a whole survivor, wink. Say, and you're not in your trauma anymore. Tell them, you're not in your trauma anymore. You're not. You Look at me, look at me. You made it. You made it. You made it. A whole lot of other women didn't. You did. A whole lot of other men didn't. You did. A whole lot of little boys didn't. You did. A whole lot of little girls didn't. You did. Throw your hands up and shout, I made it. We got to go. You need to become a Christian. Recommit yourself to the Lord to be sure wherever you're at on the count of three. I want you to slip your hand up in the building. Online, do the hand wave emoji. Say, it's me. One, two. If that's you, no guilt, no condemnation, no shame. One, two, three. If that's you, slip your hand up in this building or do the hand wave emoji online or say, it's me. If you need to become a Christian or recommit yourself to the Lord or be sure. Everybody, quickly pray this for me. Say, Father, thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for your love for me. I confess with my mouth, I believe in my heart that you are my Lord and my Savior. Give me the grace to be a faithful Christian from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. You just prayed that prayer for the first time. Take out your phone, text the word decision to 877-552-4746 or scan the QR code on the screen. Listen, I want, uh, for some of you, you already say, but you need a shepherd. You can live in Denver, you can live in Atlanta, you can live in anywhere across America and around the world. We'd love for you to be a part of our family, wouldn't we? We got seats open in the family. Come on. All right, there's always room for you. No, no church background necessary, no church experience necessary. You are welcome. Every age, every race, every background, everybody included, nobody excluded. You can scan the QR code on the screen or text Join Harvest is one word, 877-552-4746. If you came in late, you weren't able to give, get that ready. If you're going to sow the seal, I want you to get that ready. I want everybody to get a seed in your hand. Everybody get a seed in your hand. In 1 Samuel 30, this is where David asked the Lord those questions. I want you to get a $30 seed in your hand. Everybody, a $30 seed in your hand. 
You're going to call this your I made it seed. <laughs> I never asked you to do what I don't do. I always sow. I want you to sow that with me. How can you sow it? You can use Cash App, dollar sign, Bishop Foreman with the number two at the end. You can use PayPal, Venmo, Zelle, Givelify. All of that's available. The email there is hello at harvestchurch.church for all of that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. I love you, Wednesday. Thank you again for um, your consistency and your faithfulness and your dedication in this transitional time. I want to remind you, we'll only be in this tent for just a few months. Literally, this has been purchased by developers, and this is going to be turned into condos. And so um, it's going to be about $8 million a condo. Now, that's only for this part of the condo. Now, if you won't park it, that's an extra $2 million. I just, I just joke, but that's what's happening. So only be here for this transitional time. What are we doing? We are seeking out the best option for us here, and we got options. And so we want to take advantage of that. And so in case you weren't here when I explained it all, literally we began the process over a year ago looking for the right fit. We secured a very sizable approval so we can get what we want, and we can do what we want. Look at the, look at the person next to you and say, we got options. Come on, Harvest, you need to know the blessing is on the house. I'm going to say, we got options. And, uh, but our board of directors and I, we wanted to make sure we were good stewards and we were excited to exit Jewel. Um, we were thankful to exit Jewel, um, that relationship. Uh, there was so much, uh, our dream team knows about it. There was so much that happened behind the scenes. I was ready to go. It was like an abusive marriage. I said, you ain't got to hit me once, but once. <laughs> It wasn't no literal hit. I'm just saying, you ain't, got to, you ain't got to say something crazy to me, but once I'm ready to go. And uh, so we're excited to do that. And uh, so we'll just, this will be temporary and transitional. On Sunday, I will make sure they're going to turn the air on on Friday night. Now, listen, then some of y'all, y'all going to come in and say, it's so cold. Well, baby, pick your struggle, okay? You'll be all right. <laughs> pick your struggle, okay? All right, because when y'all do this, it just, I don't, it just reminds me of old school church. Like Dr. King and Mahalia Jackson about to walk in any minute talking about, I have a dream. Well, what's some of them old songs they used to sing? Sing one of them old songs. Sing one of them old songs. To give it to the Lord. We gotta have fun in church. <laughs> okay, let, let me just give it to Let me give it. Let me give it. Let me give it. Let me give it. Y'all, I love church. I love church. Come on, somebody say, I love church. I love celebrating God. I love clapping. I love all of that. I love it. Like, this is not a chore for me. I love God's church. We are His bride. You can't say you love God and hate His wife. So for everybody's going to say, I love God, I don't love church. Well, that's like telling the husband, I love you, but I can't stand your wife. That ain't going to fly. You can't say you love God and you don't love his church. Is this church perfect? No. You know why? You're a part of it. <laughs> that's kind of what messed it up. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Come on. Somebody say, we are imperfect. 
But we love a perfect God. And we're growing every day. Come on, let's just borrow the line from them sisters. Say, I love God. You don't love God? What's wrong with you? Come on, lift your giving to the Lord. Everybody, everybody sow this $30 seed. If you want to do more than 30, you can do that. But everybody sow 30. Say, Bishop, I don't have 30. Get as close as you can to it. Say, Father, I sow in your kingdom. Not grudgingly, nor of necessity. Because you love a cheerful giver. As I sow, I know that a harvest has been prepared for me. Goodness and mercy are following me all the days of my life. Everywhere I look, I see favor, breakthrough, increase, overflow. It hits my house in Jesus' name. Say, I prophesy to myself unexpected financial increase before Sunday gets here. Unexpected deposits, unexpected checks in the mail, unexpected new clients and customers, unexpected rebates and refunds, unexpected price reductions. I expect the unexpected in Jesus' name. Amen. Did you make a decision to become a Christian for the first time or recommit your life to Jesus? We want to help you make Christianity a lifestyle and not just a hobby. So just text the word decision to 877-552-4746 and we'll send simple next steps so you know what to do next. We're praying for you and congratulations. Remember, your faithful giving is how we continue to bring life-giving messages like these to you. So bless what blesses you in our app or online at www.harvestchurch.church forward slash give. Remember to love God, love people, and love life. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10. That's V-I-A-T-O-R-10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Since 1981, Unbound has connected people like you with families worldwide on their self-directed paths out of poverty. A brighter future is possible for these families when we all walk together. Sponsor a child today, and you'll help a family take the first steps on their path. Change their future in just one click. Start walking with your new friend today at unbound.org walk.